Well, as we talk tonight on prayer and the need to pray, let us pray from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you are the one true God who resides in heaven, who created heaven and earth. And Father, we pray that your name will be hallowed, will be set apart, will be honored in our midst. Lord, I pray, Father, that your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I pray that as we seek to do your will, that we will see it as just that, your will. Father, I pray as we see daily situations, daily trials, daily circumstances, that we will see your presence with us, that you are near to your children, that you will provide daily bread, that you will provide all that we need. And Father, we thank you for that in advance. Lord, I pray that you will forgive us where we have fallen short. Forgive us for where we have sinned against you. Forgive us, Lord, and Lord, I pray that we will forgive others. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Lord, deliver us from evil, that evil age we live in. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion. So, Lord, I pray that we will see his deceptive devices. We will see the, tr- the truths that he has distorted, the falsehoods that are being preached and presented to us in culture and those around us. And, Father, I pray that we will flee evil, flee idolatry, Lord, and that we will cling to you and your promises. Lord, I thank you for this time together as we look at your word and what your word says about prayer. And Lord, I pray that we will pray, not because we have to, but because we delight in knowing you. Lord, you are our good, good father. And Father, you give gifts to your children. You do not withhold any, any good thing. So Lord, we come to you now seeking your hand, seeking your grace, seeking you as the one true eternal God. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight I just want to talk for a few moments, share with a few moments about the need to pray. Uh, We often talk about praying, but do we pray as we should? The the, uh, first thing we must see is that we need God. He doesn't need us, but yet he uses us. He delights in using us as his people, as his instruments, and that is mind-blowing, mind-numbing how the, why he would use us, but yet he does. And we see that he uses our prayers. There is power through prayer. I'm sure Jim Kidd, uh, I know he, Jim Kidd has preached on the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful as we call out to God. We call out searching to know him, searching to seek his plans and his purposes. But Andrew Murray, um, as I was reading last night, sometimes I can, uh, I guess Sheena and I are both guilty of this. We can add books to our nightstand, but not read those books. And so there's just going to be more and more books. And like, well, I'm going to get to that book eventually. Well, last night I pulled off one of those books as I was going to sleep by Andrew Murray. And he talks about the sad state of affairs in 1898. This is quite a few years ago. 
but in 1898 there was a Christian conference in New York, and at this conference one of the prominent leaders took a spontaneous poll just asking people how many you don't have to raise your hands. I don't want to have any strange moments here. How many people uh, pray 30 minutes a day? You know, just one or person raised their hand. How many people pray 15 minutes a day? A few more people raised their hands. But it wasn't until he said, how many people pray five minutes a day that he actually had most of the people raise their hands? Well, this is in 1898. Unfortunately, the, the state of affairs today isn't much different. We give all sorts of excuses, myself included. You know, the first sermon I preach is always to myself. And so I'm stepping on my own toes first. I know you've heard me say that many times. But we use all sorts of excuses, a lack of time, sorts of distractions um, to say that we don't have time to pray. But in reality, we are ignoring one of our greatest resources, the power to pray. My goal is not to shame us in our lack of prayer, but to reveal a great resource that we have. It would be like, this is just a strange uh, analogy, just came to me in the spur of the moment. It would be like Doug being out on the greenways, just continually using his putter uh, when he goes to drive the ball. You know, they, they would look at him like he was a crazy man. Maybe he could hit it 400 yards with a putter, I don't know. But, um, you know, that would be so strange to just continually use that one club again and again. So if we're not going to use the power of prayer, we're not utilizing one of our greatest resources. So what is the cause of so much prayerlessness? Prayerlessness. I would offer two answers, and they're interrelated, pride and unbelief. This is why we don't pray. Either we think too highly of ourselves, maybe not just on the outward, maybe we don't say, oh, I think more highly of myself, but in practical reality, that's what's taking place if we're not praying. And then just the subtle, just deadly sin of unbelief. We think God is unable to hear or unable to respond or unable to change the affairs of men and women then we don't pray. We become a culture of microwave Christianity where we want answers now. So if we believe God is unable to hear, unable to respond, or unable to change our affairs, then we won't pray. But we know from Scripture, we know from God's words that God is able. He's able to do, what does Ephesians say, immeasurably more than we ask or think or imagine. He is the God who hears us. This is why we must hear the words of Paul in Galatians 5 when he says, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So when we come to Christ, we see it's obviously a work of the Spirit so why would we continue, as this is Paul speaking, why would we continue in the flesh? May it never be. We should always continue by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit trains us to not only to delight in the things of God, but to delight in God himself. One of the ways that we do that is through prayer. Let's look at Romans. We're going to look at a few different passages tonight. Look with me at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 
as I have been taught, is the chapter that kind of summarizes, encapsulates all of the New Testament. Romans 8, verse 26, we see what God is doing even as we pray. It says, likewise, Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When do we often pray? When we are weak, when we don't know what to do, when we've come to the end of our rope. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know it's always good to see verses in context in verse 28, the famous verse. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So if we are called, we see that he has good plans for us. Should we not then pray to him and seek him? In our weaknesses, we are to see the strength of God. And when we see our identity as God's children, heirs with Christ and are united to him, we will pray with boldness. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4 teaches us to pray with boldness. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. It says, We, since then, we have a high We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is our great high priest. This is Jesus, the Son of God. This is the one who is our mediator, the one who goes before us the one who is our Savior. So this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And so in context, this is what leads us to, to boldly read and apply verse 16. Look at Hebrews four sixteen. It says, Let us then with confidence, with confidence, we all have not been there, but we can have that confidence and boldness, draw near to the throne, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can find grace and mercy in our time of need because we come not as orphans, but as God's children, heirs with Christ, united to Him, so we pray with boldness. In a book that I've been reading, um, Dave Early talks about the secret of high-impact leaders, and he said, if you want to be a high-impact leader, you need to be a man or a woman of prayer. And he said, he Early gives many examples, whether it be through missionaries and pastors. He talks about Adoniram Judson. We could see, talk about George Mueller and others. He speaks of Hudson Taylor, the renowned missionary to China. Taylor overcame difficulties such as few men have ever had to encounter and left a work which years after his death is growing in extent and usefulness. It was largely an outcome of his life. Tens of thousands of souls won to Christ in unreached provinces. What was his secret? The simple, profound secret of drawing for every need upon the fathomless wealth of Christ. Taylor believed in prayer in part because of his sister, Amelia. 
It's amazing when you hear biographies of missionaries or pastors and different individuals. It was often a sister, a mother, a grandmother who led them to Christ or prayed for them. And in Taylor's example, his sister Amelia prayed and prayed and persistently prayed. And it was prevailing prayers that converted Hudson Taylor. And it was because of Amelia that Taylor trusted God for every need, whether it was for funds, converts, or workers, to continue the work in China. So now there are countless missionaries in China and other places because of his prayer life, his persistent prayers. We could speak of Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, also trusted in God as he prayed boldly. He is quoted as saying, He, that is the believer, must believingly present the promise to the Lord as man presents a check at the counter of the bank. He must present it by prayer, expecting it to have been fulfilled. One of Spurgeon's biographers wrote, His idea of prayer was passing over the counter a check bearing an honored name, knowing that God will provide the result. So Spurgeon believed in prayer because he believed in the promises of God. I thought it was astounding to think about all the promises of God in Scripture is estimated that there's over 7,400 promises of God in Scripture. That is quite a few. Well, they're not all to be interpreted exactly the same way or to the same people, but it's amazing to think that our God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. So let's look at a few of those promises. Matthew, let's, uh, let's read these together. I meant to sign these beforehand. Um, Ryan, do you want to read one? Read Matthew for me. Matthew chapter, not the whole book, but Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Listen to this promise from God. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. A wonderful reminder. I remember when Faith and Sheena and I went to Senegal. I think it was on this trip. It might have been the one before that. But one of the stories when we go there to talk to the Muslim people group was we we share stories from Scripture and Muslims believe in prayer. Unfortunately, they they pray wrongly because they pray not to the correct God. And so even though they pray five times a day, they pray to earn favor from God instead of in knowing God. So one of the stories that I shared was from this passage from Matthew 7 talking about who God is and why we should seek Him in prayer And we see that God is good. He is not a wicked father. He is not a tyrant father. He does not give us snakes and stones, but he gives us bread. And he gives us what is good. Let's read another one. Mark, who else would like to read for me? Stephen? Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. So yeah, we see again another promise from God that we are to trust and to believe in Him, believe knowing that God hears us in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that we are to pray willy-nilly for any such a request. Your request for Lamborghini, Ryan, is still out there floating around. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, because we know that we are to delight ourselves in the Lord and to delight ourselves in His will and His plans and His purposes. So we see again that God delights in the heart that believes in Him and trust in Him, a faith that is able to move 
and metaphorically here, mountains. Okay, let's, let's continue on. John chapter 14. Someone want to read that one? John 14, 12 through 14. This is an amazing passage as Jesus is preparing for the cross, preparing to be crucified. He is preparing his disciples, preparing them for his departure, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit that was coming, talking to them about how to pray as God's children. And so he knows that he's about to depart, and so he is training them in the best discipleship class ever with the disciple maker, Jesus himself, on how to pray. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, because you're united to me, this I will do. The Father will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So again, the emphasis on delighting in God, praying in God's name. You know, when we pray, uh, at one point I thought as a young Christian, I had to end my prayers with, in Jesus' name. It was like the, the English letter, okay, dear sir or madam, and then at the bottom, sincerely, you know, see, I thought it was kind of like a, a rote letter. You had to do that. And so if I didn't end my prayers in Jesus' name, I thought like, well, that prayer didn't count. And so that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying you have to end your prayers in Jesus' name, but you are praying in the name of Jesus as God's children, as those who are united to him. We pray as Christians, as Christ followers. Let's look on at John chapter 16, a couple chapters over. John 16, 23 and 24. Someone read this one? Again, very similar to what we've already read. But again, the emphasis on the fact that we are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock, because again, we are delighting in God, the Father who gives, who gives good gifts to his children. And we see that there is joy in asking. You know, sometimes when, you know, we are caught out at lunch and we forget our wallet, you know, we don't want to ask someone else, oh, can you cover my lunch? Now I'm going to be indebted to this person. But again, as we are asking, we are, we are already indebted to God, knowing that God is going to give us many gifts. It says here that as we ask, we will receive, but as we receive, there is joy in prayer. Not just in praying, but the joy is in knowing God and knowing His plans and His pleasures in knowing Him. So again, an emphasis on praying God's Word. One time in the past, I talked about an acronym uh, in studying God's Word. Uh, the acronym was STAR, S-T-A-R. Study God's Word, teach it, apply it, remember it. Well, I guess we can add a P onto it, although the acronym kind of falls apart, to start. <laughs> but um, we can pray God's Word as well. To pray God's Word is a good thing. So to pray these passages we just read. Um, but even as we pray, sometimes it's hard because we don't know our desires. We don't know our motives. And so that's why I often want to pray Psalm 19. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. Because even there are times when we think we know ourselves, but we still have sinful and selfish motives. So Dave Early talks about how to be definite in prayer. As we pray, we should pray about what to pray for. I know that kind of sounds silly, but as we wait on God and sort through our motives, it's important to seek God as we pray to Him. Early writes, If I'm going to boldly go to the throne of God, as we saw from Hebrews 4, I want to be confident about what I'm asking for. 
So we need to pray about what to pray for. God, would you please pray, or would you please save my cousin? Or would you please um, give me a joy, or give me a love for my enemy? And so these are good prayers. Number two, pray about what you really desire. You know, we, we have delight, uh, desires and motives, and sometimes good, sometimes not so good. So pray about what you really desire. We are to delight ourselves in the Lord. James 4 talks about the, the struggle, the, the battle within. We need to evaluate our desires. Number three, we should search our hearts, again, to make sure our motives are pure. As we petition God, we must be certain that what we ask for will glorify God. And so I hope and pray that my prayers um, are maturing, that my prayers of a 13-year-old 13 13-year-old are different than the prayers of a 33-year-old, that our prayers should glorify God. So as we petition God, we must be certain that what we ask for will glorify God. And number four, go on record. For most things, this means maybe writing your prayers down. I know of people I wish I was as organized as people. When I think of, I'm I'm thinking of two ladies in particular, Francie and Nancy. Um, I don't know each of them well, but uh, from what little I know of, they're very organized and uh, very uh, strategic, and so I could see Nancy and Francie doing this, but just writing down prayer requests and seeing where God answered those. And so that is a great way to go on record um, as we write down the requests that we are mentioning to God. And maybe it means telling it to others, you know, meeting with Brother Jim and Jack and Mike on Tuesday at Burger King, and I'm praying for this. I want to let you guys know, you know, how can I pray for you? What are you taking before the throne? So we should go on record in our prayer requests. Uh, Lastly, I think about the Old Testament prayers, uh, prophets who prayed with boldness. We could think of, we could look at many passages, whether it be Gideon or Joshua or Nehemiah or Elijah. Um, I'm always encouraged by the way they approach God. As we close tonight, we're just going to look at one prayer by Elijah. This is one of the most famous prayers in the Old Testament. Look with me at 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings 18. There's so many prayers that we can look at. We'll do that in the coming weeks. But this is the famous battle of Elijah confronting Ahab. We're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning at verse 36 to the end of the chapter. Listen to the way Elijah prays and the way he addresses God. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Often there's prayers of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones, and the dust, 
and I love this part, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot chariot, and go down, lest the rain stop you. And a little while the heavens grew black, grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. The Lord had sent the rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. We see the power of God. Again, we didn't read the whole chapter in context, but we see the prophet Baal mocking God and all of the prophets there mocking the ways of God. But Elijah would not allow them to mock God because he knew God is the one true God and that he would hear his prayers and that God would answer. So we too must pray with boldness. As I've mentioned many times before, some of the greatest prayer times I've ever had were in Nova Scotia with uh, Hugh, um, Hugh Morrison and Pierre Chasson. And we would pray for hours And they would pray, they would write down prayers, they would remember prayers, and they would pray fervently for family members, for community matters, for droughts, for different things that was going on in the community. And they would pray knowing that God hears us. He delights in our prayers. That doesn't mean He's going to answer our prayers the way we think He should. But as we pray, again, we remember that we're delighting in God. He is changing our desires and he's reminding us that he is in control, he's in control and it is his will that will be accomplished. So as we close tonight, I wanted to pray this prayer from the Valley of Vision. I encourage you to read it and pray, pray it this week. It's called The Mover. It's reminding us that God is in control. He is sovereign in control of every situation and all nations. So let us pray. O supreme moving God, may I always be subordinate to you, be dependent upon you, be found in the path where you walk and where your spirit moves. Take notice of separation from you, of becoming insensible to your love. You do not move men like stones, but... Do and do them with life, not to enable them to move without you, but in submission to you, the first mover. O Lord, I'm astonished and the indifference between my receiving and my deservings, between the state I am now in and my past gracelessness. 
Between the heaven I am bound, and for the hell I deserve. You alone gave me discernment to understand these things. I was no more ready to receive Christ than were others. I could not have begun to love you unless you loved me first, or been willing unless you had first made me so. Oh, that such a crown should fit the head of such a sinner. Such high advancement be for an unfruitful and undeserving person. Such joys for such a rebel. Infinite wisdom to see the design of salvation that would purchase my freedom. Let wrath deserved be written on the door of hell, but the free gift of grace on the gate of heaven. I know that my sufferings are the result of my own sinning, but in heaven this shall cease. Grant me to attain this heaven and be done with sailing, and may the gales of your mercy blow me safely into the harbor. Let your love draw me near to yourself, wean me from sin, and make me ready for my future home. Secure me by your grace as I sail across the stormy sea. So, Father, we thank you that you are with us. We pray that your Spirit will lead us. Lord, we thank you that you draw us unto yourself. We thank you that you loved us before we first loved you. So in response to your great love, in response to your great mercy, because that you are a God of justice and wrath, Father, we fear you. Because you are a God of grace and mercy, we come near you. So, Lord, we come with a healthy fear in awe and reverence of who you are. And Lord, we come asking you to open our eyes to see your plans for us, your purposes. They're, they're ripening every hour. And Lord, I pray that we will trust in you through every situation, through every circumstance, through every trial, Lord, we know that you are near and you are with us. So Lord, I praise you, Father, for all that you have done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.